0: Hey folks, my name is Chris Rouse, and I would like to welcome you to this podcast. If you've been with me um, some, then you know we are following the liturgical calendar through this year, Encountering the Work of the Spirit. Right now, we are in a period of ordinary time before the season of Lent begins, And for these weeks, we are counting until Lent begins. Our focus has been the I Am sayings of Jesus in John's Gospel. Also, this past week was Holocaust Memorial. And so today I want to reflect on Jesus, who is the gate for the sheep and also my experience at the gates of the Dachau Concentration Camp I visited many years ago. It's bound to be a a little bit heavier episode today, so uh, just keep that in mind. This is Pneumaturgical. I want to start us off today with a prayer to make us watchful and heedful. So let's pray together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, make us watchful and heedful in awaiting the coming of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, that when he stands at the door and knocks, he may find us not sleeping in carelessness and sin, but awake in spirit and rejoicing in his appearing. Through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. Let us hear today from the 10th chapter of John's gospel. These are the words of Jesus speaking, and we will begin uh, at verse 1. I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. Who owns the sheep? So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me, and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, given through the inspiration of the Spirit for God's people. Amen. in John 10, Jesus speaks about himself as a gate and a shepherd. So, there's two interesting uh, images going on here. Now, the image of Jesus as a shepherd, uh, it's been something I've heard my whole life. If you were lucky enough to be in a Christian home in the late 80s and early 90s, you probably encountered the uh, little precious moments pictures. And there was one, of course, that stands out in my memory of Jesus the Good Shepherd. Um, So there's a little, uh, you know, Christian culture throwback um, for y'all from the, like I said, the late 80s, um, early 90s, certainly. But uh, I I rarely, uh, if ever, as I've thought about it, have heard someone talk just about the gate part of this scripture, and I imagine it's, it's because it, it would be harder to um, paint pictures of Jesus as a gate. I guess it would be a little bit more um, Salvador Dali-ish, a little less Um, Precious Moments-ish, I don't know. Now, when Jesus talks about the gate, uh, it's it's related to the the shepherd, the image of the shepherd as well, and so Jesus says that only the, the true shepherd enters by the gate. So there is something about the gate that is safe and appropriate, only the real authority enters at the gate because there is also a, a thief and robber present as Jesus continues on they try to enter another way maybe they try to um break in the fence line dig a hole jump over who knows uh, but of course as Jesus you know teaches here in John 10 the the thief and the robber um, these people who are kind of posing as shepherds, they're not, they're not the real shepherd because um, they won't ultimately care for the flock. Now, I want to point out something interesting. Um, well, I mean, it might only be interesting, you know, to me. I don't know. Jesus uh, is talking in John 10 about this thief that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And normally we talk about this thief as sin or a sinful lifestyle or destructive choices, et cetera. And I don't I don't necessarily think that's a bad way to look at that. And that's how I've, you know, always heard it preach growing up. But something that I noticed the other day is just before and after Jesus gives this teaching in John 10 about the thief he has been caught up in some conflict or argument with religious leaders um so maybe think in in our terms like you know yeah re- religious leadership uh influential pastors and um christian figures whatever have you so the fact that jesus talks about a thief in the middle of his conflict with these religious leaders makes me wonder if maybe the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy might be empty religious teaching as well. So I don't know, just something to think about. Because it would seem that these other religious leaders, they are not the real authority. They don't enter by the gate um, like Jesus, the, the shepherd. Jesus enters at the gate. Um, as a matter of fact, He is the gate. And I think when we encounter a gate, which I, I don't really um, come across too many of of these, you know, myself in daily life. But when we do, we are often looking to see what is on the other side. And on the other side of this gate, who is Jesus is salvation deliverance, safety, wholeness, peace, um, comfort, and what is more, there is also this bit about the gatekeeper, and only the gatekeeper opens the gate for the true shepherd. So I think Jesus is kind of saying all at once, I am the one who genuinely cares for people, especially the broken and the poor and the forgotten. Now the people that Jesus was speaking to here they were people who understood much better than than I do or or many of us probably do the whole shepherd gate image um the folks in Jesus' time would have lived uh in a more agrarian kind of society than we do now, and so the image of gates and sheep out in the field and shepherds with them would have just been just a daily sight um, for them. Now, we have gates in our world today, but at least here in eastern Tennessee where I am, um, sheep gates aren't in plentiful uh, abundance. This past week, as I mentioned uh, at the beginning Uh, was Holocaust Remembrance Day, and as I reflected on that day, I believe it was this past Wednesday, um, as I reflected on that day, it did bring back to me what was probably the most striking gate I have ever had the opportunity to personally see. Uh, This was, uh, or is, the gate at the former Dachau concentration camp in Germany. That I visited many years ago, and um I have have very rarely talked about the experience. Um, I think because uh, I guess I almost have a fear that i w- I will never be able to adequately talk about you know about the experience of of being in that place. Um, but I'm gonna try a little bit here with you today. The day that I was there uh, visiting, it was raining kind of lightly but steadily. It rained the whole time that I was there, and it was extremely cold. Um, I think it—I remember it might have been cold enough to slightly see your breath as you walked around. And so just the the gray, the dark gray overcast sky, the rain, the cold, it just— it just really set this mood that was just heavy. Uh, it was definitely and, and remains one of the most sobering experiences ever. And, I mean, it, it's impossible to describe in just a few words here with you the impact of being on the plot of ground where so many people suffered and were brutally tortured and senselessly uh, murdered. And and perhaps some of you have had, have had the experience of being able to visit some of those places. I would be so interested to hear back from you uh, about what that was like. Uh, what would have or what was the former main building on the grounds where people were stripped of all their belongings when they arrived? Uh, it has been converted into a memorial, and there are various... Exhibits that give you a look at what what happened in inside, and even as I sit here talking about it again, um, like I said, which I've I very have, have very rarely done, it it is the kind of place that is beyond words. And one of the most striking moments for me was in in my visit there was when I walked up to the gate where the train cars would unload people. And there in the iron of the gate um, were the words, Arbat, Arbat Macht Frey, uh, which translated into English means, um, Work makes you free. And I remember just standing there and, and looking at those gates, and I, I still get this feeling when I think about it, um, just, I guess, a type of anger at those words. That they were even put there to begin with, you know. I mean, what a lie! What a mockery! Um, what an empty, empty bit of of hope to even dangle out in front of people, um, knowing it, just no, the the soldiers who would have unloaded train car after train car of people. I mean, I mean, just there was a, a knowledge that that many, most of the people who went through those gates, they were not going to go free. And as the war lingered, as, as the events of the Holocaust unfolded, I'm sure many of – if most of the people going into the camp could look up and look at those words and know that they were not going to go free. It's – you know, the, the only freedom they could possibly get from a place like that, that place of particular hell would, would be death – And so the gates to do- to Dachau, they were literally gates to hell. I mean, seriously they they were gates to death and suffering. There was nothing good on the other side of those gates. Those gates were designed to be shut behind you, imprisoning you in an eternal place of torture. And. I I remember also um the the area of the uh, the crematorium and and there was a a gas some gas chambers there on the grounds of of Dachau that I mean it was one of the last places that I I I visited you know cuz it was it was kind of separate from the main camp um it was just. It's just. I just don't know how to describe it to you. I mean, and and this was a place, you know, again, where the gate says to you, "Work makes you free." And and of course, Dachau was kind of an imprisoned labor camp to to start with, and then, you know, it it ends over here in in your death. I mean, it's it's just unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Um. The, the gates of Dachau, this is not the kind of gate that Jesus is. Jesus is not a gate of prison. He is not a gate of torture or torment. Now, Jesus does not promise us that we may, that we will not or may not face those kinds of things. But the thing about the gates of of Dachau, they led to a place not just of suffering, but just of brutal isolation. I remember looking at photos and and in the exhibits reading that in the cold rain, there would be times when soldiers would force Jewish prisoners and others to simply stand out in just deathly cold temperatures, soaking wet, until some of them would just collapse. And if someone beside you collapsed, you were not allowed to even bend down to help. Now, sometimes we can at least endure, even perhaps carry on for a time, hopeless, if there are are others around to pick us up or help. And Jesus is firm in his promise that we are never alone or abandoned. Jesus even talks about himself as a gate where his sheep are led in and out it's a gate of safety and comfort. It's a gate of certainty and assurance. It's also Jesus's gate and not our own. We don't get to determine who comes in and out. And of course, it makes me also think about the, um, I guess, the abundance more in our world today of what we call gated communities. The gates in front of gated communities are are definitely a barrier. Um, the only way you belong behind the gates of a gated community is if you I guess have enough resource or enough position or or what have you to belong there. and so a gated community isn't a place where everyone's welcome to come in and out it It separates people who belong from people who don't. And again, Jesus is the gate. But we don't have the authority to determine who gets to come in and out. That's that's Jesus's call. The memorials built at Dachau to those who suffered and died there are absolutely sacred places and I was able to to visit Uh, the memorial chapels that are there built on the grounds. One of the icons depicted in the Russian Orthodox chapel is of the resurrected Lord, leading those out of the barracks of the concentration camp who have suffered and died, welcoming them into eternal rest through gates held open by angels. It's absolutely gorgeous. Jesus is the gate, He is a place of safety and rest. There are gates of hell in this world, gates that open to places of great suffering and death and brokenness and hopelessness. But these gates will not overcome the gate of the shepherd, Jesus. For over his gate is written these words, Come all who are weary and find rest. The Spirit speaks in our world today, calling for us, for you and me, to challenge the gates of hell that would try to set themselves up over the power of God. Something that I've learned more recently is is that Dachau was a place where clergy were imprisoned who would speak out against the Nazi regime. The Spirit calls for us to speak out against injustice and violence and terror in this world. And sometimes there is a price. I believe the Spirit also calls us to have discernment in this world. The work makes you free gate is wide open and welcoming many people daily all over the world. People who would believe that they can save themselves, who have been deceived, that if they can just do enough, they'll be okay. People who are confused about what it really means to be redeemed and about who really redeems us. The work of the Spirit in the world is calling us to enter the gate of Christ, to find real rest and meaning for our lives, and to invite others to do the same. Let's pray. Eternal God, Father, Son, Spirit, you are the gate. You open into places of rest and comfort. You are a gate of safety and refuge. You are a gate leading to truth and justice. Jesus, you are not a prison. You are not a place of torment. You are a gate for the injured to come. Holy Spirit, there are gates of hell among us. They open wide, trying to consume with death and terror and hopelessness. But they will not overcome the true gate of Christ. May we speak with your strength, calling these gates under the authority of Jesus and leading others to the gate of the shepherd, where they will find rest. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen. Folks, I just want to thank you for hanging in there with me on this episode today. I understand it was, it was a heavy episode, I, I think, and may have stirred up a lot of, a lot of thoughts or, or types of reflection for you. As I mentioned in the episode, if you've had the, the opportunity to, to visit and experience places like Dachau, I'd be interested to hear from you. Drop me uh, a message at uh, pneumaturgical at gmail.com. And of course, uh, you know, share this episode with others who might find it meaningful. And uh, just if you would be gracious enough as well to just leave me maybe comments or ratings and uh, subscribe to this podcast so you can continue this pneumaturgical journey.